it's like the consciousness heated up and and it was like popcorn popping all over the world mm-hmm. it's like like people um uh, started saying that system doesn't work and i yeah. can't work inside of it Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. In this week's episode, join Michael Kahn for a wide-ranging discussion with J. Kim Wright, integrative lawyer, author, innovator, and systems change agent. What would you say, what keeps you going, Kim? Are you seeing, I know you love it, so that's a, certainly, that's probably the main thing that keeps it going. You, you said, you said, I don't, I don't know if it was before we started or during the interview now, but you said, you said you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it, um, which I think is wonderful. I mean, that that's you know, that's that's the way to be. And I'm certainly, I, I think I've done a decent job in in that regard. I've got some tweaking to do, I think, still uh, in my 62nd year that's coming up. Uh, oh, you're just a young you, fella, what... so you've got time. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, so what what is what keeps you going other than loving it are you seeing some progress are you seeing some concrete uh, concrete impact of, of this movement i ha- i am um so one of the things is that i'm just really like fanatic about purpose yes and um you and mean individual long, purpose my, my purpose and really purpose. aligning aligning with my purpose and yes. that's very energizing and what is your purpose? What would, how would you define that? Um, I'm actually in a restating uh, time, okay. um, yeah. but I would say that it's to um, it, the, the short way is talking about um, the transformation of the legal profession, the legal system, mm-hmm. that we are mm-hmm. building the legal system for the world that um, is evolving. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what are you seeing? So um, just to give a measure in 2002, yeah. I went to a conference um, um, for a, an international legal group, and um, there were some speakers up on the podium, and I knew one of them, so I sat up front, and uh, they had eight people at each table, and most of us didn't know each other, so as they do, they said, everybody introduce yourself, um, and you know, they had an icebreaker question. And I introduced myself as being a lawyer who was a peacemaker and a healer. And seven people suddenly saw someone across the room that they had to go sit with. No. People left your table. Left my table. Everybody left, everybody left leaving everybody you there by left. yourself? I was sitting up wow. front in front of the podium. It's middle, oh my gosh. It's middle school hell. <laughs> this was 20 years ago, 2002? Yes, yeah, 20 years ago. Wow. And and then, okay. and, and, and so that was, that, that's sort of one marker. <laughs> right. Then the ABA asked me to write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was um, eight years later right. that the book came out. It was actually, I, I, I was named a legal rebel in 2009 and, and asked to write the book in 2010, the book came out. And so that actually shows huge progress. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then um and I think the way the most exciting progress I'm seeing now is that there are yeah. so many people who are doing this work that I don't actually know. And that don't know that there's a movement. 
Like they right. just they, in the middle of it. They're in the middle of it, and they've been they've been courageous enough, and they they've gotten a whiff of something happening. Like you know, and and it's um, it's not as scary as it used to be. Yeah. So I, is the movement is the would you say the movement is um, is mostly defined by collaborative law, or it's bigger than that? Oh, like, it's much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. It, I, 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 it's like the consciousness heated up. And, and it was like popcorn popping all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's like like people um, uh, started saying that system doesn't work and I yeah. can't work inside of it. And therefore, right. I have to create something new. And so Stu Webb, who created Collaborative Law, was one of yeah. those early people, one of those early pioneers. But then uh, restorative justice and therapeutic jurisprudence and creative problem solving, those were also um, you know people who said, the other one's not working. What am I going to do? Yeah. So the models right. were the first symptom. But now we have yeah. people who are, you know, like I remember the first time I met somebody who was both a yogi and a lawyer. And it was the it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And I was the weirdest lawyer in town. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I tell the story, I actually think of, of my dear friends who live in Hawaii now, who are uh, who are a couple who use yoga in their law practice. Oh, wow. And um, and and, and so, I, I have to stop you. How how does that look? How do they well, use um, yoga in their law practice? Because yoga is about energy, and about yeah. uh, about the shift in energy, um, and okay. conflict is a type of energy. Mm-hmm. And so their work in energy helps them shift conflict. And hmm. uh, and so they've they've integrated who they are and that what they care about and the consciousness mm-hmm. work they've done with the mm-hmm. legal system in a way that works for them that is not what they yeah, learned yeah. in law school. Yeah. And that pattern, I see it over and over and over again of people saying, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to create this other thing. I probably know a hundred people who've created holistic law. Like, okay. So like, that, so that's a sign of, so would yeah. you say that, would you say that one of the, the ways to define what you're describing, like you're the weird lawyer and these other lawyers are bringing yoga into their practice that people are be bringing their authentic selves to the practice of law and not, not being limited by the cookie cutter uh, approach that you were um, felt limited to coming out of law school in yes. the nineties. And even now, of course, but less, less so now, a little less so now because of that. Yeah, I think authentic, well, authenticity is one of the important values of the integrative law movement. Okay. And, and, and that's what we call it. Um, after Peacemakers came out, we actually had a group of us who were leaders in different areas actually got together and said, this thing needs a name. Like we know we're doing something together, but we don't have a name. And, um, and by consensus, we chose the name integrative law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't name it. It was named by the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since 2011, that's what we've called it. And, but it, it, it helps us to integrate like our authentic self with the yeah. law, um, right. bring in some other values. So it's another piece of what it means to be an integrative lawyer is sort of reflecting on who I am and what I'm here for and what, you know, how is the law working or not? Right. Doing like what you're talking about, coming up with a purpose with even yeah. maybe a, 
not a corporate in a corporate way, but a mission statement or a yes. vision statement, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's what I do with my clients, and and mm-hmm. and in um, and in the conscious contracts movement, I you know I was trained as a coach thirty years ago, and so so you know we bring in that idea that you know like who are you really, and if you were if you could practice law in any way that expressed that, what it would look like, hmm, and so lots and lots of people so are. Say that question again. I want I want listeners to to hear that. Who are you? Say what was the question? Uh, well, the, well, I'm are not sure really? exactly how I said it then, but I. Uh, it I was like, who are you really? Right? Who are you really? Mm-hmm. And how can you bring that to the law? And how you can go. you shape your law practice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like now, who, the challenge I would imagine, Kim, is the first thing that occurred to me in my head is money right like you're talking to uh, that there might be people out there many people out there lawyers who want to change things they've got kids they've got a mortgage they've got obviously whatever bills to pay etc etc um and and there's this excitement about what you're talking about but i how am i going to do that i can't that's scary what i'm going to be a weird lawyer and and how do I know I'm going to bring in the, the the money that I need to? Um, well, it's like anything else. against that? Yeah. I, it's like anything else. If you were to suddenly close one law practice and open a completely different practice, you would have yeah. a transition time. But um, I did a, uh, in, I think it was for peacemakers, that I, um, I did a little survey of asking lawyers who'd made the shift, how it affected their income. And some said yeah. it went up and some said it went down and some said it stayed the same, which is okay. kind of what you expect if you're going to do something sure. really different. Sure, um, sure. There, there are a lot of people who are making a lot of money in this mm-hmm. because because clients really love it, like especially in the conscious contracts work that I do. The conscious clients are looking for lawyers who will do um, a more conscious approach with them and understand that, uh, that what we're doing here is we're we're doing something um, kind of unique and, um, you know, think about Silicon Valley startups and, you know, like, like they're, they're trying to reinvent the world. And then there's this old yeah. legal system that needs a bridge between it. And so, um, right. uh, you know, so I have, um, I have a lot of people in my circles who are making a lot of money um, in the, so, um, in this I'm month. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah I'm curious. Um, can you quickly, because there are so many questions I want to ask, can you, can you quickly describe what conscious contracts means? So what conscious contracts, like? um, um, it, 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 the conscious contracts process is about putting the relationship first. And so what we do is that um, we start with a conversation about who are you? Like, like if you and I are going into a contract, who are you and why do you want to do this? Like, you know, what is the, being expressed by this project for you? What are your goals? Um, how does this uh, actually forward your mission in the world? And I share the same information about me. And then we, then, then we the measure. Two people up. who are who are entering a contract together. Entering a okay. contract. Um, uh-huh. And so, so that's all the part about being in love. You know, if they're doing a startup, if they're yeah. doing, getting married, yeah. I mean, if they're even going to rent a house from each other, there's this excitement of the beginning of the relationship. Let's capture what that is. And you and and your role as the lawyer is to make that happen. 
make that happen. But then what happens is uh, they have that like that moment of, oh my gosh, like like this is this is like this sacred, wonderful space. And how am I going to screw this up? Because I've done yeah. that before. And so then we actually have a conversation about how we're going to address change when it comes up and how are we going to resolve conflict when it comes up? Right. And we look at, Anticipate we, look at that. we look at how do we work? And, you know, like the one that's really easy to see is like, I, you don't schedule with me at eight in the morning because I'm, I'm still on the phone at 4 AM, you know, like, you know, like the, there's a, um, you know, like there's certain working patterns of mine that if you're going to work closely with me, you need to understand, well, we're going to talk about those and we're going to put those in our contract as well. So that it, um, so we put all of that in and then we look to see how do we, how do we um, actually put in all of the nuts and bolts? Like what are the promises we need to make to each other um, to make the goal that we've set out actually achievable? And that's what a conscious contract does. It's written in plain wow. language. Sometimes we yes. use a lot of visuals, what, you know, whatever matches the people. Yes. And, and so that model. And do you have. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, um, that model is uh, a really nice model for people who actually um, have a long term relationship and expect to have a long term relationship rather than the adversarial model of you and uh, you and I are enemies. And we've got to protect ourselves. We got to hold our mm-hmm. cards close to the chest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a it, it's a paradigm shift. And your website is consciouscontracts.com. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And that's where folks, if they're interested in 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 using that process, would reach out to you to to make that yeah. happen. Yeah. If anybody, had... any lawyers out there are curious about it, you can go to the website and and check it out. Yeah. Yeah, we, we now have um, people who speak 20 languages or do business in 20 languages, not just speak. They do business wow. in 20 languages who are certified or have taken the, um, the basic training and are on their way to be certified in the model. So, oh, okay. So they, you do training as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I did and one. And now you said, you said that you, um, you uh, surveyed lawyers uh, to see what they were doing, how they were doing in the collaborative law process. Uh, was part of your survey asking them how, how they were doing with uh, uh, well-being? And how, yeah. do, do you have any sense of that and what kind of impact maybe it's made on, on uh, lawyers who have made the shift? So, um, so they were collaborative lawyers at that point, although now mm-hmm. um, integrative lawyers are in every area. Um, but the survey okay. had some open-ended questions where they talked about um, some of the trade-offs. And so I can tell you like my, one of my own stories, when I was doing litigation yeah. in my early um, law practice, I had, um, um, I think my overhead was something like $15,000 a month um, just before I had to make $15,000 a month before I could do anything. And this was in the nineties. So this, you know, Multiply that by however many yeah. factor. Um, and uh, when I stopped doing litigation I, and actually moved to a different city, uh, uh, my overhead was $500 a month. <laughs> wow. Which meant that the quality of my life changed drastically. Sure. You know, like my, I, I mean, I had, a, I had um, 
So you didn't need rent. as much staff, is that way, or office rent? I didn't rent? need staff, and not, I mean, I had a small office, and yeah, it was it was a lot of different things. Um, I, you know, like I didn't need the big copier with the automatic feeds. I, you, know, right. I, <laughs> you know, I had a desktop right. copier. Uh, yeah. You know, all the things yeah. that you have to do for litigation that are kind of just part of doing business went away. Right. And wow. so, um, so I didn't have to make as much money. And that's actually what allowed me to start becoming a speaker and a trainer and all those things. Cause I, mm-hmm. um, I didn't need to be there, um, for all the stuff that litigation requires. So do you do consulting, Kim? Like if there, <laughs> I'm thinking like if there's someone out there who's really intrigued by this and wants to do something different, wants to practice more authentically, um, how would they start? What kind of resources are out there, including are you a resource? And Yeah, I'm totally a resource for that. So the, the okay. first thing would be to have a conversation with me because I, I mean, I am a resource for that, but I'm also a resource for who else might be a better match because mm-hmm. um, I never want to take a, take on somebody who's not a perfect client for me. Um, yeah. I do it. Um, I do it at a lot of different levels. So I work one-on-one with, a you know, from law students to, um, you know, lawyers at the end of their career. Um, mm-hmm. But I also um, like I, um, I've worked with the Basque government in Spain. And, um, and I've worked with, um, you know, there's several organizations there that uh, were actually doing projects in the community to, to shift to a more collaborative um, community. Um, Mm -hmm. So that included changing the legal system uh, to, um, to make that easier. So, So, you know, any level. But you provide consulting, coaching, whatever you call it but you also know others who are doing that. How would they reach out to you? Where would they, how would they find you? Um, they can you want go to give an email address? Or, yeah, uh, jkimwright at gmail.com is the easiest. jkimwright, and that's right, W-R-I-G-H-T. Yeah. jkimwright at gmail.com would be how to connect with her. And, and we have, uh, and like I said, well, with the, Liner notes will include all the other ways to find you, LinkedIn, et cetera, right? Yeah. Uh, I know I'm, I'm very conscious of your time, so I know we only have a couple minutes left, Kim, and there's a million more things we could talk about. But is there anything in particular that I haven't asked you about this or about a book or about anything that, that you feel like would be important to include in the discussion? I want to mention the trauma-informed law book, please. And and so um, it uh, it's coming out later. And I've had this amazing team. Um, there are four of us who um, represent um, uh, a very diverse group of women. Um, yeah. And um, and w- and then we've uh, got contributions from around the world. And what I um, I already knew but I'm um, really struck by in the research we've done for this book is how trauma is sort of the core issue in the legal profession. We're either avoiding it or um, we're, um, uh, you know, dealing with people who are traumatized without having been trained. Um, The system is designed to traumatize more 
we've got built-in systemic trauma um, and racism and uh, misogyny and all of that that um, has been baked in for the last hundreds of years. Um, so, um, so the uh, the book uh, really aims to both show that and then show some ways that that can be different. Um, I think it's a paradigm shifting book. And um, so. And it's trauma on many levels. It sounds like you're talking about lawyers need to know how to deal with their clients. Yes. Who are coming in uh, with uh, trauma, some kind of trauma. Lawyers need to know how the, the stories that they're hearing, the pictures that they're seeing, the videos that they're seeing, how that is causing, could cause vicarious trauma or secondary traumatic stress, right? And then also talking about the system, particularly if you're a marginalized lawyer, if you're a lawyer for a marginalized group, if you're a female, if you're a lawyer of color, if you're an indigenous lawyer, how that can impact you. So it's coming at trauma from lots of different angles, Yeah. Right? Yeah, we actually had a philosopher contribute to the book. We've had psychologists contribute. We've had lawyers. We have judges. Um, So, um, you know, as we lawyers do, we wanted to look at it from as many angles as we could. And we only had 300 pages to do this. So uh, it's the beginning of a conversation. And say the name of the book again. Trauma-Informed Law, a a primer for practicing lawyers. It's being published by the Law Practice Management section. And when's it coming out? That's a very good question. Estimated sometime this year. Sometime this year. Okay. And you've done, one of your co-authors is, uh, is it Myrna McCallum? It is Myrna. And she has a podcast. She does. Called, um, uh, is it called Trauma-Informed Law? I think it's called The Trauma-Informed like Lawyer. Trauma-Informed Lawyer, and, which uh, is very interesting. And she's um, she's an indigenous Canadian she lawyer, is, is that right? She's an indigenous Canadian, and she, she's and very Helgi, Helgi Mackey. Uh, Mackey, yes. He's a former corporate lawyer who has really been um, studying the somatic perspective. And yeah. uh, Marjorie Florestal, who is a law professor, former um, uh, tenured contracts professor, uh, yeah. who uh, went back to school and got her master's degree in psychology and is working on her PhD, really focused on lawyer well-being and law student well-being. Well, that sounds like a great, I know Helgi, she was on a round table with me in a program I did in, for uh, um, Osgood Law School. She's great, but it, it sounds wonderful. I definitely want to get a hold of that book. We do programs at real time uh, on the impact, on vicarious trauma, the impact of vicarious trauma on, on lawyers. So I'm very interested in that book. Um, so unfortunately, we're out of time. And yeah, uh, Kim, I'll give week. you one last chance. We could. <laughs> any, anything else you want to say about uh, how uh, a, a, any last piece that uh, you want to say before we wrap? I'm also working on three other books. Uh, one uh, focused on grief and what lawyers need to know about grief that is um, being oh. co-authored by uh, several lawyers who are now experts at grief, some of them through circumstances not. Well, that is, that's one of my areas of expertise as a therapist. So I'm very interested in that. And then, um, and then we also have lawyers as designers, which I'm doing um, with um, two Australian uh, law professors and one from the UK. Mm-hmm. 
where we're, uh, we're collecting examples of, uh, of excellent design and art that's being used in, in, in the law. Kim, you are just amazing in terms of, uh, I'm sure you've heard it before. I don't know how you do it all, but you love it. I love and it. That's what, and that's what fuels you, all this stuff you're doing, all the travel you're going to start doing again. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going back on when the you road. Come, <laughs> when you come through Vancouver, let me know. I will. I will. We'll have um, a gathering of all the Vancouver people that I know that don't know each other. That would be fantastic. It's so good to see you. We, I can actually see her, even though you can only hear on the podcast. I can see her today. But it's great <laughs> seeing you. And let's uh, let's keep in touch. All right. All right. Thanks, all Michael. Right. Thank you so much, Kim. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This, will, this um, podcast will probably be uh, offered in two parts. So uh, be sure and you be sure and, and download both parts as they are dropped. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address: feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.